Hello, and welcome to Within the Musician podcast. This show is a place of discovery for all students, performers, educators, and future educators. My name is Monica Williams. I'm a flutist, teaching artist, recording artist, performer, and lifelong learner. Today, it's just me on the podcast. There's no guest, and I wanted to get on and talk about the subject of improvisation. I thought we would talk about my personal journey into improvisation, what that looked like, uh, what improvisation really is anyway, and then why I like introducing it into my teaching and how I can find that helpful. We'll also talk about why I think it's beneficial to start this if you're a classical musician that hasn't quite um, dabbled into improvisation. And then I'll go over some exercises or ideas to get you started if you're a musician who wants to explore this on your own, or perhaps you're a teacher that wants to begin introducing this into your own studio. So first, let's talk about my personal journey. The music that you hear that's going to fade out in just a second is off of one of my albums called Journey of Tears. And as I was thinking about this episode, I thought of this piece. Normally, I go into the studio and record all of my music. But this one track that you're hearing or heard um, was actually recorded in my home. And I did it uh, just kind of listening to some background inspiration of a storm and I was feeling in the, the mood and in the moment and I threw on the recorder and it I really liked it. And so this ended up on my CD as an improvisation. I wasn't intending to record it for my CD. And while I could re-recreate it in the studio, I thought, you know, I really like it as it is right now. And I have an amazing producer and engineer. I said, can you restore this to a level that is acceptable that I could publish this? Um, And it's done really well. This particular track is done really well on playlist. And I think it's even on airlines being played. And it was an improvisation that I created in my own home just when I was feeling like I wanted to create. And I didn't want to necessarily read the music. So I thought that was a nice uh, segue into what improvisation is or my experience with improvisation. Let me go back to my beginnings and talk about improvisation. Unfortunately, in my upbringing, I didn't have any exposure to improvisation. My first experience with it was well after graduating college and I was working with this um, person then, and she said, I'm going to play this piece that I've been working on and just kind of improvise a line. And I remember like just standing there going, okay, I wonder when I should actually stop her to let her know I don't do this. This is not what I do. I need music and I need um, a structure. I need something. I just can't like play. Um And instead of doing that, I took a moment, I closed my eyes, I listened, and I responded. 
Um, and that was my first improvisation. It was awesome. And as a matter of fact, that particular person, at, I didn't even tell her, you know, at that moment in time that like, I've never done that before. That really worked. Um, and it felt great. It felt great to not be reliant upon the notes on the page and just express, just create. And so that was one of my first experiences with improvisation. And Ever since then, it's been a big part of my musical experience, both in my performing, recording, and teaching. So let's now talk about why I think it's important and really what is improvisation. So the simplest definition, I think, of improvisation is just creating sounds or music or notes without reading notation on the page. You're either listening internally and coming up with a line, a musical idea, a phrase, or you're listening to another musician and having a conversation musically that is not on the page. Basically, you're improvising together. Um, And The reason I think this is kind of cool and another experience uh, is because you're creating without reading the notes, you get to immerse yourself just a little bit more into the experience. You get to listen to your sounds and think about where it wants to go. You get to listen to the other ensemble players if you're playing in an ensemble or with a recording, and you get to listen to them and then have a conversation. So what one person says reflects what I might say, just like in a conversation. And because of that, it actually feels like it's coming more internally. It feels like it's coming from my heart center um, and a little less from my analytical sense or side. Um, and they're both important. I mean, like, you know, of course, when we're creating music, we want it to be emoting um, and coming from, you know, the place where we're, we're actually doing correct notation and rhythms and notes as well. But by removing that technical analytical aspect and just focusing on the um, sounds in the line, you do get a deeper experience um, that you can bring into classical playing. So one of my favorite things to do is to start with one note. And when I start with that one note, I ask myself, how can I make it go forward? How can I make this note travel? How can I use my vibrato in such a way that makes that sound travel. So I'm going to show you a little demonstration of that. Okay, so I pulled up my flute, never done this on the podcast, but I thought this was the best way to explain what I'm talking about here. So I am going to play one note and then start with one additional note and then add one other note in. And I want to keep it as simple as possible, just listening to this nice drone track that I'm going to play. And off of that note, I can then be inspired to meld with that sound, to breathe with that sound, to vibrate with that sound and really be responsive rather than um, having a planned motive. 
So those are a couple of phrases inspired um, in this moment, and I did include a couple more notes than three. Um, but you could see that I was just figuring out what the key center was. Now, if you're a classical musician, you actually are ahead of the game. You can find out that D was the drone, and I felt called to start in kind of a D minor mode. If you're not um, a musician that has studied like that, you can explore your instrument and find the best home position um, to make that note your home note and start with that one note and then add more notes um, in addition to that. You know, in my teaching, I have to mention that one of my favorite classes that I taught was Native American-inspired flutes for adults. And most of these adults came to me with no musical background. Some did. But it was an amazing experience to get adults just to tap into the music um, without having to learn the notation. Because I started with improvisation. I started with the sounds, with calls and responses. And to be able to create that from day one was kind of inspiring to me so that I could begin including this to younger players. So that is one part of my journey in my teaching that I really was able to see the value of introducing improvisation early um, so that players didn't have to just learn the tablature, the fingers. Um, they could start with just understanding the scale and understanding that they were an artist and could create really from the the beginning. Um, so that was an inspiring journey. Native American flute, by the way, is an awesome instrument um, to introduce to adults that really want to get into a musical instrument um, and have a rewarding experience with not having to learn too much music theory, notation, or any of the background behind it. You can delve into that instrument um, a little bit more than I find you can with concert flute or even guitar um, and piano. You you could just you can create a little bit easier from the beginning. Okay. So now why it's beneficial. I think I touched on this a little bit, but you know, if you can learn to create from within, you can then create lines with more intention when you do read notation because you've created from scratch. It's like making a recipe from scratch. Um, and then when you have a recipe in front of you, you have more control to modify it and put your own artistic license into it because you are taking more control of your color palettes, your expressiveness, you are really creating from within. So that is one benefit that I find um, classical musicians can tap into. Now, I want to mention this because this is one of my personal understandings um, going to a conservatory. When I thought of improvisation, and I look back at this and I'm horrified that I even thought this, but I kind of thought that improvised music or if you were improvising was kind of like cheating. It was kind of like for musicians that weren't so serious. Um, and I don't know why I or where that came about in me. Um, 
I would never vocalize that, of course, but I think it was. Um, and I mentioned to my uh, students that one of my first experience with world flutes, because I'm big into world flutes, if you follow me, um, was at the National Flute Association, their convention. It was in San Diego in 2005. And I came across this little booth amongst this field of silver and um, concerts, beautiful concert instruments. There was one table at the time that was a Native American flute booth. And I played and it was just the pentatonic scale. I had no music that I could like, you know, play. It's not like if you, if I went to all the other booths, I'd probably be playing Mozart. And, um, for those flutists out there, it would probably be laughing because like you hear a lot of the same pieces being played because people are auditioning the instruments and we go to our, um, our standards there. But of course I had no standards to play in this instrument. I didn't know this instrument. I was just meeting this instrument and it was amazing. I, I really connected to it and I it was maybe, you know, um, one of the, not my first time improvising, like I mentioned, but, you know, just a little bit later. Um, and that I purchased it right on the spot. I'm like, I need this instrument. Um, but I'm sidetracking here back to the benefit of classical musicians is if you can get away from the notation on the page, then you have a bigger, broader, deeper connection to the music that you do play when you play the notation. Uh, so I like to include this in my music teachings early. Um, and just a little plug, I do use the Catherine Blocky uh, books uh, for my beginning flute students, and I'm sure that there's or methods uh, like this in other instruments as well. But I like that she had a section early, early on when they just learn a couple of notes to play a pentatonic scale. And then she has them do an improvisation with that and then write out their favorite combination of notes so they actually make a structured composition. And I think this is immensely beneficial to a young student. I wish I had been taught like that, that you're empowering your students that they have a voice not only to play other people's works, but to create themselves. Um, and I think that is a great thing about improvisation is the empowerment of creation um, and the ability to play off the page from an early time period. So um, I'll do another little demonstration here once I grab my flute again. So hang tight. All right, got my flute out. So I'm going to do a super brief um, demonstration of what you can do with students. So I'm choosing the pentatonic notes um, or pentatonic scale D, D, E, G, A, B. And what you can do is have a student write those notes down, play that scale, and then begin to mix up those notes. So some students will be really timid and tentative when coming to this exercise. So I might encourage them to just um, play one note and then two notes and then three notes. So for example, one note. Then I would choose uh, for them to maybe do two notes. And 
And then I'd have them alternate. Okay, play one quarter note and then two eighth notes. And you get the idea. And then I would have them skip some notes. Okay, let's skip around a little bit. And I would just keep the, have them keep a really steady tempo. Again, this is for the student that's like really resistant, that will not go on their own, and they need a little bit of uh, hands holding to start off with. Um, then what I do is I have them do different durations of those notes, okay? Choose to do some half notes and some quarter notes, and they'll come up with maybe something like this. And then, of course, you say, that's a beautiful song, you know. Sometimes the sound is not as good because they're playing very timidly and they need a little bit more encouragement. No, that is great. You're making your own music. Um, and I love to see a student's eyes light up when they realize that they did that. They made up a song. They are a composer now because, really, improvisation is the beginning of a composition once you put it down on paper now it's yours now it's you've actually um written something and other people can now play your work uh so what explaining that to them is is amazing uh the other thing i will do and i have to address zoom right now because we are all um teaching on zoom if you're listening to this i'm recording during the month 10 of the pandemic um so call and responses work really nicely um, in introducing improvisations, uh, because we can't play together, we can't do duets right now, right? So I can put a drone like I had earlier on for sonic inspiration and have that be going the whole time. Or I can just be playing and then ask them to answer me. So for example, I might play something that was fast and then ask them to do a slow answer. So for example, I might go, And I'd have them answer something slow with vibrato for working on vibrato. And then I would do something fast. And then have them do something slow. And that's a way of getting um, a conversation going with zoom lessons and also working on whatever skills you're working on in notation so if you're working on vibrato you can work on vibrato if you're working on articulations and getting that to be clear and clean you can throw that in there let's do a call and response where we're doing double tonguing let's do a call and response where we're doing this bowing technique whatever it is um, and you can take them off the paper sometimes just taking students off the paper gives them an opportunity to listen differently and experience it differently and light bulbs will begin clicking. So those are some of my um, favorite go-tos for, for Zoom teaching call and responses. Love them. And it's something different to work on. You can even do it as a warm-up. Um, so let's talk about that. So as a classical musician, warm-up is important, right? We all know that. You're supposed to be doing scales. You're supposed to be doing long tones. You're supposed to be doing exercises and whatever is um, the kind of the standard in your instrument because we need to warm up. But throwing in an improvisation at the beginning of your practicing can be a great way to open up your mind a little bit more, right? To just settle down. And let's face it, this year has been stressful. So 
if you are finding that you're not as charged or maybe your students aren't as charged um, as they were, maybe doing something new and different like an improvisation as a warm-up just for a couple minutes before getting into the other exercises and, and repertoire you're doing can just be a new way of thinking of it. And sometimes just by doing something new, you're opening up your mind to new possibilities. Again, I go back to, then you can put it into the notation as well. Um, so you can actually have a, a really a breakthrough moment. For wins players specifically, I, I sometimes acknowledge the fact that we can do meditation. When I talked about this a little bit with Sherry Finzer, we can do meditation with breath and sounds. And it doesn't have to be like where you're seated and, you know, Zen and not thinking of anything. You could have a sound meditation and improvisation because you're using less of that analytical side of your brain and just expressing what you're feeling at that moment, especially if you can let go of judgment. I'll talk about that in a second. But that is a part of actually creating a meditation because you're just letting all the thoughts go away and concentrating on the sound you're creating, concentrating of how you're feeling at that moment, and then expressing it. That, you know, can be mindful music. That can be meditation in and of itself, which can be really healthy right now because we are all really, really stressed. And I don't know about you, but we've all encountered these students that just are at the brink, you know, we're on month 10 and just to give them some mental health ideas um, is another great reason to include it into your teaching practice. I want to go back to what I said about judgment. And this goes to the tentativeness that I was explaining earlier, is that sometimes it can feel really vulnerable to play and you can feel almost embarrassed about this. Like, you know, is what I'm doing like valid? And although that shouldn't be the, th the case, it's, it's a very common experience. Um, and you can help your students and yourself get through this by validating that some of your improvisations are going to be not masterpieces that you're going to want to put on a CD like my first one. I have improvisation moments that was like, well, that didn't work. Um, but at least you put yourself out there and you experienced that and you tried it. But however, if you go into the improvisation experience with that tentative judgmental place, you're going to be more reserved and not as much of your um, expressiveness is going to come forth, in my opinion, um, because you're already judging it. You should try to get rid of judgments as much as possible when improvising. You know, I think of it, I tell my students that even Mozart and Beethoven, they were crumbled up pages on the ground, garbage that I would love to see, and I'm sure you would as well, you know, what the <laughs> garbage from Mozart and Beethoven and Bach um, really was. What, But... Um, but improvisations can be the same way. Some of them you're going to just literally crumble up on the ground and throw away, but it doesn't matter. That was for you as an experiment, and it was an experience that you had um, that is part of being vulnerable, part of creating. Um, 
So that's my thought on improvisation. I hope you find some of these helpful. I could go on and on and on, but I want to keep this podcast short. Um, There are lots of resources that you can look into for improvisation ideas. There's lots of soundtracks that you can um, listen to that are specifically background tracks, like the one from Raining Tears that I did, that earlier one, and I'm going to start playing it right now. That one that I did earlier was just inspired by the rain, hence raining tears. Um, And you can find something that is to your calling in that moment, whether it be a drone, lots of drone apps, or nature, or maybe you just take your flute outside occasionally. Um, Or you can do it, of course, with nothing and just you. Um, Everyone has their own preferences and you can experiment it until you find yours. I'm happy to answer any questions about this if anyone is listening and really needs some um, personalized help and how to go about including it in your practice or your students' practice. So I'm going to wrap this up. Um, If you've enjoyed this podcast please like share subscribe and review if you're on apple podcast it helps us reach more listeners and until next week bye bye